This is Coda Radio, episode 490 for October 31st. Hey, good buddy. Welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show. Taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the spooky world of technology. My name is Chris. Obviously, it's Halloween. And joining us like the soldier he is, even though I'm late, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, man. Coder Bar Mitzvah. Spooky, scary. Noobs becoming... Oh, it's a... Oh, I had a whole oh, thing. Oh, good. That was... Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good. No, now you don't get it. See? This is... No! You know what? You, you Lenart Pottering me. You jumped on the stage. You get nothing. I did. Yeah, you get nothing. I... I... You're saying I Kanye'd you? Is that what you're no, saying? No, I actually wasn't Lenart Pottering before Kanye. <laughs> that might have been. Yo, Lenart, go get some money out of Kanye. Everybody else is suing him. What the hell? Jump in line. Fired up now. He's at Microsoft. He's telling people like it is out there, I guess. Got a whole new way of doing boot. The most gangster Linux community thing to do is to be like, yep, yeah, bitches, you know where I'm going? Microsoft. What? It is. Yeah, it really, it, it's also very common. Yeah, well, Microsoft's got a bigger and bigger Linux department now. Are you saying they're measuring their Linux? They're also in that late bureaucracy stage company where they've gone through being like the craziest, most complex bureaucracy possible. And they've kind of leveled off a little bit where some companies like I think Google and Apple are still getting worse and worse and worse in that regard. I'm sure Microsoft has a slow decline as well. I mean, it's, an, it's a cycle, right? None of it's as bad as Adobe, which is apparently going to make and everybody was freaking out. Apparently, Adobe is going to make certain colors only available as an in-app. Well, no, actually, just not available. Like they can't license them or something. I don't know. I don't. I'm not an Adobe guy, but it really fit in with our our trend today of looking at some scary trends coming down the pipe for tech. Because yes, it's spooky Halloween, and you and I are both dads of young kids, so you know, Halloween's a big deal in our neck of the woods. So, so I did ask some design folks what the deal is with this color stuff. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. All right, so there's a, a company in. Guess what state? There's only one state that would pull a move like this. Is it? Is is? It, I mean, I always default to Florida, but no, no, Florida wouldn't even know. Florida would be too drunk or like riding an alligator down the highway. Yeah, you're right. right. They're more like chaotic. Yeah, yeah. New Jersey, true, true. only New Jersey yeah. could think right. of this. Move. That's legal. Yep. Yeah, it's a gangster move a little bit too. It is. There's a little bit of. A... Is it technically legal? It sure is. <laughs> so basically, some company used to sell print colors. And they are somehow proprietary colors. This reminds me of a meeting I had with a large printer company who was very upset about the shade of blue that I couldn't get. Oh, yeah, they hate that. Well, because I'm a spiteful little bastard, I went back and looked. Sure enough, that shade of blue. Now, granted, the reason I couldn't get it was just me being a jackass. But it it is one of these colors. So apparently these are all like off colors. You know what I mean? They're like in between you know, you hard to get the hex code for <laughs> basically Photoshop magic when the designer got to have your monitor dialed in. Right. Like like on my ViewSonic monitor, I basically can't see them. Right. It's why the Apple monitor is five thousand dollars. It's pretty, pretty insane. So what they did is it, this is actually not Adobe being evil. Well, well, OK. So this company who owns the colors, whose name eludes me right now, but they're in New Jersey, and that's pretty much all you need to know because I'm sure I'm related to some of them. Uh, hey, cuz, told Adobe, I see you have that monthly subscription thing going there. It's an awfully sweet creative cloud you've got. Be a shame if you didn't pay us some more royalties and something happened to those <laughs> colors. And Adobe was like, no, we're Adobe. They're like, 
cool. You don't get the colors. But because of the darkness, and I will stand by this till the... I, I've held this position since we started in 2012. Creative Cloud is, in fact, a downgrade. As a someone who has <coughs> acquired Illustrator and Dreamweaver when that was a thing many times in his youth, uh, if you know what I mean. What a, what a nice cat with headphones on that is. Wow. You know, I, 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 my software fell off the back of a truck when I was a kid, my Adobe software. Just well, in New Jersey, you literally just go see your Uncle Vito and they hand you like the four CDs yeah. it used to be. So <laughs> You know, that is legit how it used that to is go like, yeah. And you could use the CD key as many times as you wanted because it wasn't checking with any server. Crap, right? You had the disk, you had the thing. It was like you had the machine, you have the system. Uh, well, Creative Cloud pretty aggressively forces upgrades on people. So the nightmare scenario is you have your, let's just take the simple case, your Photoshop file for your very picky printer company and your Creative Cloud updates because you leave your iMac Pro on all night, of course, to do your updates. Yeah. And all of a sudden you open that same file the next day and they're, the color is gone. So they're just black and not like a nice black, but like a void out black. Right. So. And that's not how local apps are supposed to be. But what is, you know what? You know how The Verge says, what's a button? We should have, what's an app? Right. What is an app? Is a local app that gets updated by a cloud service that's tied into some sort of authentication mechanism that's always checking in and auto-installing updates? Is that truly a local app? Sounds like a hybrid app to me. What if the platform vendor can turn off an app or remove it from your device? They totally can. They totally can remove your licensing. Design. What if, and I just had this ugly experience, you have an app that you paid for years ago, you open your iPad, you try to run it, and the app runs fine, but because the company no longer exists, their REST API no longer exists, and it can't does nothing. So is that a local app then? No. No, I think they're all, ew, services, ew, we should move on. See, that's our first scary thing, New Jersey. So Matt wrote in to push back a little bit on license being gatekeeping. His core point was is that, well, somebody's got to sign off on things that are like, you know, professional public works and need to be safe for the public to use. Part of the responsibility, he writes, of a professional engineer is to sign off on projects that meet all the regulations. And then they need, you know, some point of responsibility if there are mistakes that are made that result in some sort of major issue. He says, sure, this isn't maybe necessary for web developers or a lot of common software development. But he says you might be able to argue it is for somebody working on the 737, for example. So he says it's not gatekeeping in all cases. And sometimes it's just you know, good for public safety. And and maybe, you know, the argument also I think that might resonate is holding someone accountable for a mistake. Sure. I mean, that is a, a great idea. And I actually agree with it. But it kind of falls apart when you see in practice how these licensing uh, schemes tend to be used. I would say with the great exception of the type of public work he's talking about, like bridges. Fair. I think you're I think you're right. The, the actual implementation has shown us that it is being abused. There's clearly some use case for it, which is probably why it came around to begin with. But now it's just gone too far. Um, I'm with you on that. And then, so yeah, that was Matt. Now Matthew wrote in. So we got Matt and Matthew this week with some uniform ideas. He says, if you go with one thing, it's doomed to failure in the long run. Your preference will change. Companies will drop items. That has been on my mind. Instead, I propose you strive for an interoperable wardrobe, a modular wardrobe, you know, where you can wear anything, maybe like an open source core. Uh, for instance, I, my work shirts can be worn with regular jeans or more formal pants I own. With this strategy, if you don't want to think about what you wear, you just grab the first thing off the rack and you're good to go. And if you're feeling particular, you can grab a pair instead. Hope to hear the conclusion to your quest soon. Those are good points. Interoperable, I think, might be the way to go. It's like a mix and match. And that, I believe, my wife corrected me, 
That is the definition of a wardrobe capsule. See, I thought a wardrobe capsule, because I'm an idiot, was just like a whole outfit, shirt, pants, socks, whatever. I don't know what makes a whole outfit. Um, but she's saying, nah, it's actually, she says, this was she said. She says, nah, she says, nah, it's actually mix and match. It's like different shirts that go with different pants, but they all go together. That's a wardrobe capsule. So I think maybe I need a wardrobe capsule. I, mean, I don't know why it's called a capsule and not just a wardrobe, but it's a wardrobe capsule. I, I kind of didn't get this email. <laughs> well, it reminds me of like the Skyrim create a character thing where all the pieces kind of go together. Yes. So that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, I need a character creator. And then I asked the audience out there if anybody else uses like a dedicated PC for Emacs or some other job. And Don noted that he has a dedicated PC for his banking and his crypto purchases. So there you go. Uh, and then we made a note in the doc for Mumble Colony, but I don't remember what that's in regards to. We do have a Mumble, though, at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash Mumble. Mumble's still around? Yeah, still around. Still, We use it uh, on LUP still and uh, on office hours quite frequently. Huh. Well, there you go. Huh. Now you learned. Today, today you learned. Linode.com slash Coder. That's where you go to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and it's a great way to support the show while you're checking out some fast, reliable cloud hosting. You got to try Linode for your next project. It's what we use for everything we've built and deployed recently. It's part of what makes our new website seem fast. Linode makes us look good. They've been rolling out MVME storage upgrades too, so the performance there is super great. They are their own ISP. They have a whole range of systems from nanodes that are just tiny little boxes that maybe do like one job, a nano box, to these monster systems like we use for our matrix system. And if you're a performance hound, you're going to love the combination of CPU options, GPU options, and storage options. And next year, they're lighting up a dozen new data centers. Linode is just simply the best place to host and run your code. And they have a bunch of one-click deployments for tons of open source applications, like GitLab and Git-T and things that are just really quick and get up and going like NextCloud. And they'll also let you build it up from scratch with just about any distro you'd ever want to use in the cloud. They got a big range of distributions, a great dashboard, a clean API, and best of all, you can get a hundred bucks while you support the show to try it all out. You just go to linode.com slash coder. There has been a story that's been super embarrassing for Apple since we gathered together last week, and it's really gross. It all kind of comes together here. Apple is flexing control over the App Store in such a grotesque, overreaching way that it's absolutely going to limit development of some industries. It's already holding back companies like Telegram. Telegram CEO has accused Apple of destroying dreams and crushing entrepreneurs. Sounds like my ex-wife. <laughs> he said uh, he said that uh, they had a feature they wanted to roll out. They would have been kind of like an in-app payment thing. But Apple wants a 30% cut of any of that type of stuff. Apple's also updated their rules to say they're going to get a cut of any NFT sales done inside an apple iphone and did they really relocate to jersey too i know right i this they, their, their their app store department must be over there and then also like all of like the little like boost or favor to post or a facebook thing where you can buy something to like make your post stand out like all of that stuff now apple just announced they also want a 30 percent cut of all of that stuff this is major so i actually have a soundbite from tim cook on this okay i am altering the deal Pray I don't alter it any further. I know. Which, historically, he's definitely going to. Right. 
this is this is really this has really gotten to a, a new level. You know, um, Alex Gigatexel. Yep. He pointed out a clip from Coda Radio One Ninety Seven back in two thousand sixteen. Whoa. Where we were kind of going on about how bad the App Store discovery was and how bad the search was, and slowly but surely, what Apple has done is instead of fixing search in the App Store. They've introduced new and new layers of advertising. So along with just squeezing down on every way these apps can potentially get deal with money at all, even if like, you know, they're doing all, everything within the app ecosystem, Apple wants a cut, but they're also at the same time loading up the app store with more ads. They just got in a bunch of trouble because they had gambling ads that people hated right next to developers apps that were like about like mental health and whatnot. Yeah, well, there was one in particular that was like literally an app to help you quit gambling. They say they've paused the ads related to gambling and a few other categories on the app store now. But the fact that it made it in there in the first place, that's a shift for Apple. Remember, like that's there, that's a, Apple wasn't willing to cross that line until recently. Well, they were, in fact, we used to criticize them for being too puritanical, right? They were like, they had some pretty uh, strict censorship things. They've kicked apps out if you could somehow leap out from the app and then end up on a gambling site. They've kicked an app out of the app store before. Mm-hmm. And now they're running gambling ads. Well, I mean, they've paused them. But the fact that this kind of stuff, it's like, it's like how the, the PayPal $2,500 fine for misinformation got out and everybody freaked out. You know, they're putting it back in. Now, I don't know if the misinformation language is in there, but they've slipped that $2,500 fine back in. It's like the people get outraged, we get over it, and then the companies just kind of move on and they just tighten it down. And that's Apple's move here. So they've paused it. They've paused it, they say. But eventually, that line will slip again. It'll be back. And if they're willing to slip on this, what else are they willing to slip on? All right, well, well I, I, I agree with you, but let me devil's advocate a little. For Uncle Tim, for our dear, sweet Uncle Tim. He needs to keep the revenue growing. I think it's safe to say there's not that many humans left to sell iPhones to that want them, right? Or can afford them. At or this can point. afford them with the price, with the, quote, inflation, i.e. price gouging. Is this just a function of being a public company where that chart has to go up and to the right every quarter? And they know. I, I See, I... I have this thesis about these big companies that they know in their heart of hearts, there is not going to be the next big thing. And if so, their only way to, if even if there is, right, their only way to handle it is to basically tax it, right? Where Apple is in a lot of ways functioning as an IRS, right? They are, they are taxing new businesses and new innovation because they own the iPhone and iOS and related platforms. I guess you could argue Facebook isn't doing this, but it just seems like he's lighting money on fire to give people legs, which is a choice. You know, the first time I think we've ever seen this, Comcast NBC is reporting, too, that their revenue is down, that their subscribers, even on the Peacock streaming service, are up, but the Comcast revenue is down. The Comcast division took a quarter with a revenue decline of 14%. The reason why I bring that up is because Comcast strikes me a little bit of like what Apple is turning into. Like they've built their infrastructure, they've got the wire to everybody's home, but now they can't really they they can't they can't get to more homes fast enough, right? There's just not enough new homes coming online to keep number going up. And so over the years, Comcast has layered on all this stuff, right? Bought up companies and just done everything they can to make number go up, but. After a decade of loose money, I know this is my like my new my new 
soapbox, but like, seriously, it just, it set the tone for everything. It matters. I don't think we've realized how much it matters, but with loose money, they soaked up all this money. They bought up all these companies. They formed NBC Universal Comcast Peacock. And even after a decade of all of that, they still can only grow so much. And now they, and now they have customers that are leaving because better alternatives are eventually coming along. But, you know, it's been like 10 years of this. And Apple, I think, is earlier in this cycle. They're at the beginning of this Comcast cycle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they are. I, I think also, and maybe this is going to get me some heat from my elephant-loving friends. You know, maybe companies can only get so big, right? And when you hit a certain point of size and scale, the cost of being that size is is just too much. Maybe we just watched a grand experiment in how big can companies get. Because unless money gets free again, money was what it was was better than free because the interest rate was zero and inflation was one, two, four, and then seven, eight percent, right? So for a while, getting money, getting a loan was better than free money. Oh, if you were a big company, it was literally less than being taxed, right? You were better off keeping your money in Ireland or wherever the hell. And then, and you don't get, and you, and they don't get taxed on the money they borrow. So they have all these assets, they have all this wealth that they can use as collateral. And you write off the interest as a tax deduction. So you, you get to, you, you get the government coming and going. You don't have to pay taxes on the loan money you use, and you get a write off on the interest for that loan money if there is interest. And even now, the interest rates are still super low. I mean, it was such a great deal for them. And I wonder if we didn't just watch, because it it's been since 2008. So we've been watching this happen. Perhaps, perhaps we watched these tech companies get as big as they're going to get. This was their largest phase. And now it's just sort of more leveled off growth from here. I'm sure they're probably going to still go up because there's more humans all the time. But I think the years of just astronomical growth after astronomical growth could be coming to an end. Un unless printers go burr again. I'm not sure. It may happen. Wow, we talked. We discussed this last week, and you, you were pretty. I think eventually it will. Yeah, but I think you. I think you. I think you nailed it. Apple also is trying to get a cut of social media network advertising. You know, when you buy a little bit of advertising in the app to say run an ad on Facebook, Apple wants a cut of that. It's incredible because if you zoom out, what's happened here is Apple turned on the ATT, the application cross tracking. They set up set up a block for that in a prompt which knocked about a billion dollars off of Facebook's revenue and cut down on advertising revenue for all these guys, then launched their own ads. But just, 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 just pause there. Overnight, they flipped the switch and nailed Facebook for a billion dollars. That's, that's wild. When's the last time we heard something like that? Even, the, even you know, uh, uh, Pierpont Morgan and the other railroad tycoons couldn't pull a move that devastating to their competitor, right? That's what I was thinking. It, it would have been, been worldwide news. It would have been a huge deal, but it was Facebook, so nobody cares. Well, they are evil. If they, but if they'd done something that cost the New York Times a billion dollars, I think people would have cared. But it's Facebook, you know. It's just stupid meta. Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there to get Tailscale for free on a personal account. Up to 20 devices. That's a big, flat network. Tailscale is a zero-config VPN. You get it set up in minutes on any device, really. And it manages the firewall rules, takes care of your NAT situation, even your double carrier grade ultra NATs. I can attest to that. Devices connect directly to each other using WireGuard's noise protocol. They build a backend that helps you connect them all simply and quickly using whatever single sign-on provider you like, including two-factor authentication support. 
and they build a flat mesh network that's always on. And it's smart about how it handles traffic, too. It doesn't tunnel everything to TailScale. It just tunnels the stuff that's on that LAN. And it also does clever things like subnet routing so you can actually get access to an entire LAN, and it just does it so transparently. I love TailScale Send. I mention that all the time. It's like airdrop for all your machines. But TailScale SSH just got better. So TailScale SSH allows you to establish SSH connections between your devices in your TailScale network as authorized by your TailScale access controls. Like I have a machine I share with Alex, and I have a machine I share with a family member just through the access controls on TailScale. You don't have to manage SSH keys anymore. It authenticates your SSH connection using WireGuard and to make things even better, just a couple of days ago, they launched the SSH client via the web. So you can log in to the TailScale console and right there, start up an SSH session inside your web browser to one of your machines in your TailScale network. So handy, so powerful because for me, TailScale is how I also support my friends and my family. My kids, all their machines are on TailScale. My dad, he's on TailScale, right? They're all on my network. And when they need help, this is going to be one of the tools I have available to me. Or if I need to fix something for JB, it's just another tool available to me, just integrated with TailScale, and you can get it set up in just minutes. So go try it for 20 devices for free and support the show by going to tailscale.com slash coder. We just love it. Everyone at JB uses it. tailscale.com slash coder. So in the theme of scary, spooky tech trends, for some reason, my old man cackles have gotten all riled up over the continued gamification of software development. And now new research has provided evidence for what they say is, quote, significant impact of gamification on the behavior of developers on large collaborative programming and software platforms. But they urge caution, too, because the gamification, they say, can, quote, steer the behavior of software developers in unexpected and unwanted directions. And if you remove the gamification, productivity drops off an effing cliff. Mm-hmm. People just stop participating entirely. So not only do you incentivize things you didn't expect, and sometimes it's like a, a big boost in how many people are contributing, and sometimes it's like people gaming the system, but it does seem like there's really something to this. And I mentioned this because the GNOME project just announced they're shutting down their mailing lists and they're moving to th- systems like GitHub and, D- and Discourse and places where they can implement gamification because they're seeing good results in the GNOME community from certain types of gamification. Fedora has done something similar. They have a badge for contributors. And like the ButterFS, I have the ButterFS badge, for example. I think it's the number one badge they gave out. The ButterFS badge, on, if you're a, you know, a Fedora user, if you te- help test the, the beta that had ButterFS. And this gamification is becoming more and more of a thing. And I wonder if you think this is a dark trend or a good trend. Probably fine. I, I sort of feel like anything that gets people coding more regularly and improving their craft is good. I will tell you that since switching to GitHub, I am an addict for the uh, that little tile, mosaic tile thing on how many commits you do in a day. Yeah. Yeah. It works, right? I mean, anybody who's played like World of Warcraft or an MMO knows if you there's a bar, there's a certain personality type that will fill that bar. <laughs> yep. I would say maybe it is like taking advantage of certain dopamine triggers and, you know, psychological responses in certain personality types. But I don't know. At least I feel like I'm using it for good. Although I should say GitHub is definitely using me 
The study, by the way, was done by Cornell University. And I think it's interesting that they, they urge caution. I don't know. I think you're right. I think you're probably right. Getting more people to do their craft and get better at that and, and participate in a community and learn those skills is generally a good thing. More of that's a good thing. So let's say it's a good trend then. Yes, addicting to people to positive things is good. I got one that's driving me absolutely crazy. And we're just going to have to put up with it. And I'm, I'm really debating on how much we even want to talk about it on the show. It's, it's relevant to developers in the sense that developers got to eat, a developer's got to sell, and a developer's got to promote. But I think this trend that's always, it's been there, you know, since the early days of Apple, people used to attribute everything Apple did, every arrogant move, every petulant thing Apple did, they attributed it directly to Jobs. Then Steve Jobs died, and Apple just got more petulant, you know? <laughs> and we're seeing that now with Elon. Somebody's tweet gets labeled as misinformation, and you see somebody posting, oh, snap, dog, Elon just labeled this post misinformation. Shoot. Uh, Elon makes this decision. It's going to be Elon this, Elon that. It becomes a cult of personality, completely disregards all of the engineers and developers and people underneath all that that are actually involved in the decision process. And also, I think where it matters to our audience is if they are on social media to help promote their app, their site, their service their business, you're kind of watching this a little bit going, where the hell is this going? And, and how's this going to affect me? I don't know if you saw this. Again, just picture yourself as one of these engineers for a moment. Because I'm, I'm a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde about this. Part of me absolutely loves the savageness of it. And then part of me thinks, like, God, could you imagine being an engineer in this position? So Twitter engineers were told to print out their last 30 to 60 days of code. So they could show it to Elon himself. Then they were told to wait, actually just shred all that code you printed out and up upload it to this platform. And Elon has brought in Tesla engineers to do code reviews of everyone's last 30 days of the work. And then you have a little, you may end up having a little conversation with Elon or a Tesla engineer who's essentially a proxy. In one way, like I said, it's it's absolutely savage because you'll only truly get answers to what's really going on if you go all the way to the source code. At the same time. Elon is setting these deadlines. Like, if you don't get it done, you're fired. Another one is they're trying to build Twitter blue, so that way it's a $20 a month subscription. And Elon gave them, like, a deadline at the end of November, and if they don't get it done, they're fired. So it's really just like, we're reviewing your code. We're going to sit down at your desk with you. We're going to go over it. We're going to ask you questions. And, oh, by the way, you also need to get this new feature built. And if you don't get it done, you're fired. Part of me thinks, God, this is a brilliant strategy by, by Elon because he's going to totally clean house and bring the head count down, which is job number one. It sounds absolutely terrifying as a human being to be in that position as a staffer to have the world's richest man or his proxy sit down next to you and ask you, well, what the hell are you doing here? First, first of all, Steve Jobs used to do this all the time. All the time, right? Get it done or get out was his, his, his line, right? I only want A players. He did a speech when he was uh, an interview. In fact, I have it on tape. It was when he was at ne Next talking about why B players suck and they're not. I know it. A players only want to play with A players. And if you make them play with B and C players, they get pissed off and they want to leave. As a management practice? No, it's probably not great, right? But I wisely, thanks to the admonishment of an older, more beautiful-haired friend of mine named Chris Fisher, refrained from tweeting anything about the Twitter acquisition. 
Because remember, Chris Fisher says tweeting is bad. <laughs> You'll notice I, I I very tweet very rarely. <laughs> you notice my tweets have gone down significantly since that episode. I just put that out there. It's hard to overstate how mismanaged Twitter really has been for very long. And Twitter's headcount doesn't make a ton of sense. I'm sort of surprised at all this pearl clutching about the people at Twitter when if you look at Twitter, I mean, it's a shitty business. It's not well run. For instance, someone, I saw a tweet from one of the Twitter employees, Elon made this change and you know, normally it would have taken weeks of debate between the teams. And he's bragging about that as they're so thoughtful. That's f***ing terrible. You should resign in shame. Like, you're in the tech business, baby. Roll, roll, roll. Yeah. I, I think, like, it sucks that they're in California and he can't just walk in and fire them all like you could in Florida and give them nothing. Because I feel like a lot of that's what should just happen. And I know California has stupid mandatory uh, severance. But usually I'm I'm more sympathetic to the employees, but... 8,000 people, and the best they could come up with Twitter Blue is that I can change the color on the goddamn highlight in the app, and I can briefly edit my tweet or undo it to edit it, and then they add, edit a different kind of edit feature later. That's, like, I know this is going to piss off a lot of the audience, but, like, maybe Twitter should have focused on being a functional business that is, like, a peer to Facebook and, you know, it's direct competitor and less about, you know, wearing the hair shirt and being the Virgin Mary on whatever political ideology you may or may not have. I think I agree. I typically I, I typically try to be empathetic with the employee in this situation. But I think my inclination would be to go full boss mode here because he just made a huge acquisition. He massively overpaid. He's got to make this thing work. He's also, I think probably smart enough to realize he's got a window of time. He's got about 90 days. You know, like how when a president comes into office, he's got 100 days. He's got 90 days. And then he's got other things that need his focus, like like SpaceX and Tesla. Um, additionally, he's in deep with military contracts. So he's got a lot of pressure there to publicly get this right. If you are involved at all with that kind of stuff, you see how when things start looking bad for you and your company, the military gets less and less interested in working with you. They don't want that to rub off on them. If it, well, it's true. If you have financial strain, you cannot. You generally will not pass a background check, and that goes for companies and individuals. So yes. The other reality here is that a lot of the collateral Elon put down to make this purchase came from his Tesla stock, and if we go into a two-year recession, I have to imagine Tesla stock is going down. Tesla just recently announced. They're lowering the price of Teslas in China because China's entering a recession. And so they're lowering the price of the car. So in China, you can get a Tesla cheaper now. And it's probably going to happen here. And if that announcement happens, you know their stock is going to go down. That means the value of his collateral will go down, which means that he's going to be on pressure to either add more collateral or find another source of funding, all of which means act quick, act ruthlessly, turn this thing around, figure out where the rot actually is. Because I think all of us, regardless of your position, would acknowledge there has to be some rot in t inside Twitter. It's also that, but Chris, let, let's just say like JB and uh, the Madbot are merged, right? And you were the new boss. And you found out that a couple of my employees were just going around talking about what an asshole you are and the, you know, the Jupiter culture, the TMB culture is never going to be the same because of Jupiter Broadcasting. Would, 
I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like Elon's been incredibly patient. I would expect you to simply fire them or worse, make me fire them. Right. Well, here's my question for you is maybe this should be a little more standard practice, because what is actually the product he just paid forty four billion dollars for, if not the source code and the staff? Right. So it's a great time to figure out what the hell's in the code. Yeah, printing it out is a little is a little silly. Right? Yeah. Printing it on paper. Well, that was that was corrected. Of course, he wants the code reviewed. I, in fact, if he didn't waive due diligence, he probably should have done that before. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, just, it's just like, and I'm not saying that I want Twitter to become a hellscape or anything like that. It's the idea that man buys company. All these people now work for this guy, and they spend it seems like a good part of their working day just watching him, spying on him, bashing the out of him <laughs> yeah let's reverse it they, we merge i'm in charge you better believe if somebody's running around saying how much i suck and oh he did this stupid jackass thing that i just fire them did you see that screenshot uh that elon posted where they admitted in their internal chats to to fluffing the numbers <laughs> and they said literally we're basically doing what elon is accusing us of and i'm sure that they are right it's you know you know what's funny on twitter I have noticed a lot less like engagement. Now, granted, I've been posting less, so maybe that's the algorithm. But my whole feed is just like Elon Hate and Magic the Gathering 30th anniversary, of course. <laughs> Mine's Elon Hate and Star Trek. Right. So we that's have our vices, but it, it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I have been, I swear to God, less like usually I'll post like a coding tip or something every couple of days. Just the amount of like political vitriol. I'm like, you know, this isn't a club I want to hang out at anymore this is not a bar i want to hang out at yeah and ironically mike i my prediction ultimately is is that the reign of elon is not significantly that much different in terms of moderation and censorship well he already said he's forming a council which is exactly what they always said so it's like it just means maybe the moderation and the censoring will take longer as the council has to form or whatever instead of just like some twitter employee internally deciding to flag it but it's still going to happen. It's not I have pur- purchased over the years, uh, not a ton, but a sig- not insignificant amount for the size of my business, Twitter ads. And uh, as much as I hate Facebook, I would take every dollar if I was to do that kind of advertising again and put it to Facebook. Yeah. The results, I did a AB. The results were pretty, pretty clear. I mean, if he lays off a good chunk of people and does a $20 a month uh, Twitter blue that, you know, for, to get verified that all of these media personnel, every, all the, you know, Twitter elites are going to sign. They're all going to pay the 20 bucks to keep their check mark. He may just turn it around in a couple of days. <laughs> he's, he's gave him a deadline of November 7th. I just looked it up. Not the end of November. He gave the developers November 7th to get that going. He gave them Halloween with their kids. See? Yeah, it's so nice of him. You know, I, I think people who think Elon is an idiot and, you know, Everything that everything that's happened to him has just been dumb luck and that he hasn't built anything and he isn't any kind of engineer, as we've been debating. I think they're missing the mark. I think what he is is erratic. He's manic. He's manic. And he probably doesn't have, you know, a governor that says don't post that. Like he just recently posted something about Nancy Pelosi's husband. Didn't even need to get in, wade into that. Right. Just don't even wade into that. That that was just stupid. Yeah, that was it was dumb. Yeah. But. He has been very savvy in some ways, like he's taking this private so that way he can basically butcher the internals of the company and not worry about the stock price and the shareholders freaking out. Right. That's a pretty clever move, just because if you're really going to make brutal changes, that's how you do it. I don't know if we can see. Are we going to watch this guy run three or four companies? That's going to be interesting. No, he's going to have to hire. Right. This is this. He's not the first. This is not like that unique of a situation. He's going to be here for maybe a month, maybe two. He's going to do the dirty work because he and then he'll bring in a healer. Right. A a, you know, 
agreeable CEO to the remaining staff that's going to be like, we've been through some hard time with guys, but I'm your guy now and or gal. And you know what? We're going to build back better. We're going to it's going to be Joe Biden. No, I think you're right. I think it'll be a woman. I think that's I think that'd be a smart move. I said Joe Biden. You said woman. That's that's not a great clip. (laughs) It just can't be Sheryl Sandberg because bad idea. Wouldn't that be funny? That'd be terrible. That'd be hilarious. No one wins in that scenario. I mean, everybody's going to be looking for a job soon if things keep going on. This is wild. So Meta's revenue are down just a titch, like 4%, just a, a kind of a minor miss with everything going on, especially the, the the absolute decline in the advertising business, which is what hit them. Wall Street absolutely freaked out about the decline. But then also when combined with the increased expenses and investment in the metaverse stuff, Meta was punished. Their stock looked like like a crap cryptocurrency that Elon had recently pumped. It was a crash. I mean, I, we haven't seen anything like that in a while. Um, Jim Cramer, your good buddy on CNBC, actually cried on television because he's been pumping Meta all year. Meta's going to the moon, he's been saying, and he got called out on live TV and he started shedding a tear. <laughs> Such an idiot. No, no. First of all, be nice to my good buddy, Jim Cramer. We all know each other if we've ever been to New York. We literally are all cousins. <laughs> Second of all, he's not the first person to get seduced and screwed over by Mark Zuckerberg. So, you know, cue Edward Saffron. We got to play this. I got to play this for you because it's just so. Do it. Play. I knew you. I knew you were going to do this. It's so awkward. Do all right. Go ahead. Free cash flow last year, nine point five billion. Now less than one billion. Okay, let me say this about this. I made a mistake here. I was wrong. I trusted this management team. That was ill-advised. Hubris here is extraordinary. And I apologize. Okay. Um, What did you get wrong? He just sits there and thinks about it. (laughs) It's like he's, it's like Wonder Woman's got him in the lasso and he's thinking on all his sins, right? It's, no, yeah, that's a lot of money. You imagine he and his charitable trust, he does this whole thing for charity. I'm pretty sure he also like majorly screwed up here. The company's reality labs division, which houses its VR headsets, lost over nine billion. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chris. We call that the we're on a drunk bender burning hundred dollar bills, y'all division. So if you add it all up, what they've spent so far, it's more money than Apple spent to create the iPhone. But if you even adjust it for inflation, Meta has spent more money on reality labs than the U.S. government spent, at least from what we know, on the atomic bomb, even adjusted for inflation. So you could win a war, build the most successful product of all time, and still not have legs in the metaverse. I actually think most people's take on this is wrong, because if you think about it, money numbers have lost really all meaning. $250 billion is last year's, or is, you know, five years, $25 billion, right? I mean, the money really, like we say, have been saying, has been running loose. And if you're a powerhouse of a company that's just absolutely harvesting money on ads by tracking people and really nailing them with relevant ads, especially in like Instagram, I hear that's really successful in Facebook, I imagine, um, you know, from little dabbling I've done on the advertiser side, it seems extremely accurate. They're harvesting so much money. What do you want them to do? Like put it all in the bank and let it inflate away and then draw attention to how much money they're making as, a, as an advertiser? Or... Why not dump it into something that might be the next platform? Because they also have the Comcast problem here. They've saturated the market. There's nowhere else to go. Mm. So they either have to just build the next platform or just wait for Facebook 
to eventually fade and die, which we all know it's going to happen. It happens to all these platforms. So they could, you know, maybe have a shot if they could somehow build the next thing. And so why not take that money? Why not take that $9 billion and channel it into research and development? Now it's a loss. Now it's a write-off. You're not drawing attention to how much money you're setting on, how much money your little tech company's making, and you're investing in the next thing that might possibly work. I actually don't think it's that crazy of a strategy. The issue is, is investors don't want to see crazy amounts of R&D, more so than any other tech company, and they don't want to see a decline in revenue at the same time. If they were spending $1 billion instead of $9 billion this last quarter, if they'd spent $1 billion in a quarter, I don't think this would be a headline. It wouldn't be a story. Right? If they'd spent what Microsoft spends, this wouldn't be a story. But because they spent what Microsoft and Apple, Apple and, and Google spend combined, <laughs> it's quite the story. You know? and if, but then again, like, it's all relative to how much damn money you got. It just that's it. And if you got a, if you're making a lot of money and money's been loose, it's all relative. Yeah. I mean, you're you're right, but it's a lot of money no matter how you slice it. But what's he gonna do? Turn it he could turn around and spend that nine billion on what? Making Facebook better? It's a mature product. They've you know, I don't really know what else they could get into that would be successful. I mean, you see them buy these other things and it just sort of levels off. Okay, so isn't this the Microsoft problem though, right? Microsoft circa nineteen ninety nine, I guess. You have dominance in one place. You are an extremely mature, extremely successful product slash business. And okay, so then you get office, right? Like this is what they did. They island hopped into different businesses, and then eventually that was a problem. <laughs> Because of antitrust. I think that's kind of why Microsoft's pivot into open source and really building cross-platform development tools has been so surprising. Because very rarely do large companies make a successful pivot like that. Well, I, th I think it's just it's hard to be good at multiple things. And, and I don't know. Also, fa it, 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 Facebook's brand has really taken a beating, right? I mean, even my aunties who love Facebook, because God forbid they miss a picture of their great nephew. Um, kind of hate it now mostly because it disallows them to fight about their incredibly strange political ideas one of them is Karl Marx one of them is uh, Mussolini so that's where I that's where I live I hate Facebook because I can't look for a goddamn bicycle pump without being haunted for three months yeah then once you get the pump you're still getting ads for pumps forever and it's like well I already bought it I bought the pump three months we talked about this on the air I bought it three I'm still getting the ads it's like Guys, I, I bought a pump. I'm cool. I buy one car mount once. Years of car mount ads. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. We got a boost from Thought Criminal. Love that name. 1900 sats. Pew, pew, pew. Headline from the Beacon. Florida man suspended after going Newland on a striking mascot. Suggests better breeding in order. Takes new bride. I think that's him congratulating you for the, for the marriage, the wedding. Thank you, I think. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I love it, though. Yeah, you know, um, the mascot's been pretty active the last couple of days on Twitter. Going going after people, setting the record straight. I don't know if you've noticed that. I know. He, he's, he's been our personal Elon. Really has been. I th I'm sure he'd love that. Oh, I'm sure. Purple Dog, need to set their username, boosted with 6,000 sats. Boost! I've done estimates to come up with a quote. And then that quote has been 10 to 20% padded to account for unknowns. But then a PM comes and plugs those estimates into Microsoft Project Ooh. without the padding Ooh. and tells the client will be finished on this exact date. Doesn't even account for annual leave. 
bonus points if there's liquidated damages for being late. Uh-huh. Also been brought into a project where the estimates for a web app were done by a developer who had never made a web app. I don't work there anymore. <laughs> I agree. You know, I got to figure out a way to work in days off. I've got to do it because I'm like on a decade of no days off. So I got to figure it out. I think what I need is a backup crew, you know, you know, like what, what is it called when you're in theater and you have like a person, understudy. like an understudy? Yeah. We need understudies, dude. You know, you just call it the understudy. Like, hey, man, it's Halloween today. I need you to fill in. Can you imagine? I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> you know what the problem is, though? The understudies would start to want to get jealous. Have you never seen Phantom of the Opera? We'll, ha- we'll have a coup. Yeah. People would like them more because they wouldn't be so grumpy. You know, they think everything's great because they'd probably be younger, I'm assuming. Because I couldn't have an older Wait, understudy. I hated everything back in 2012. It, that's true. In fact, I've mellowed out a lot. But the new ones, they love everything. You know, any, anything that's, you know, anything that's new, they love it. They're all in. Oh, it, I, I love when I talk to someone super new to dev and they're like, hey, man, I can just like generate this on the server. I'm like, you've discovered ERB or Jinja or any of the other technologies. Or there's just that- like, all these things you're like, oh, that ultimately burn you. Right. But they're still new to it. Every time someone says, hey, did you not see this thing? It's great. It's called Xamarin Forms. I'm like, yes, my son. I've, I- Be honest with me. Could, you're un- could you have an understudy that's older than you? That's weird, right? I think I'd prefer it. I mean. Really? Really? I don't know. I think that sets up like a mentor. So you then have this reverse personal relationship. I don't like it. Like like a couple of years ago, I got pulled over by a cop. I don't know. I don't actually remember why. I don't think it was that big of a deal, but he was mad. Chris was shooting out the window. He was just like <laughs> Mac 10. And I was drinking and running a MacBook Air. You know how it is. I would guess he was like 22, 23 years old. Oh, no. Almost half my age, and it felt so weird to get talked down to by somebody half my age. I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> this you eat it, you think, all right, son, shut up. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Marcel boosts in with some Enterprise Sats 1701. I think the problem is a lot of these regulations around what's an engineer are just really outdated. Civil engineering boo-boos have been the cause for hundreds of lives. Hopefully, JavaScript is never put in charge of something with that kind of power. I have some terrible news for him, but keep going. I know, I know, I know, I know. And, it's all, and the worst part is their front ends to access databases. Ugh. Is complaining about a stoplight really a form of practicing engineering? If you claim that a bit of back of the napkin math is engineering, then doesn't that just sort of invalidate the entire profession? That is a huge point, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> great point. I'm going to read it again. If you claim that a bit of back of napkin math is essentially engineering, doesn't that invalidate the profession? Napkin math by amateurs is engineering. So engineering is napkin math by amateurs. <laughs> Congrats on the wedding, by the way. Thank you. So, wow, Marcel, we totally missed this. You nailed this. Correct. The whole engineering, no engineering, whatever licensing is irrelevant to the case that came up. Uh, the gentleman who found that the stoplights were defective in what was it, Oregon? Or yeah, yeah, it, he was just doing arithmetic. Yeah, it's math. Yeah, not even like fancy. <laughs> it was freaking arithmetic, right? So and, you know, let's be honest. It probably started like he noticed the timing of the lights was probably off, and it probably just went from there. Right. He probably had like an intuitive feeling, and then was like, "Yeah, yeah let me time this. I want to see." <laughs> That's a uh, huge point. And, and I can give a real example of this. I am not a CPA, nor am I an accredited accountant of any kind. My friend owns a bar. He once asked me to help him figure out the profit margin. There was some deal with a local brewery on a keg of beer. These are the types of problems I face when I go out to lunch, by the way. <laughs> sure. And okay. uh, naturally. And you know what? Was I illegally operating as a CPA, telling him the margins were only like 15% and they were screwing him? Because they lowered, they lowered the price 
by 10%, but they cut the size of the keg by 25. Mm, you just have good lobes for business. I do have the lobes. Well, I my my sales last quarter would suggest I don't, but... <laughs> I don't know if that's your fault, though. That might be other uh, things. You know, when they fire everybody at Twitter, I'm just going to get a job at Twitter. That's my plan. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, we're going to round it out now with our last two boosts. Uh, Nev boosted in... B-O-O-S-T! ...with a row of ducks... So my dedicated Emacs machine is actually my faithful old System76 Lamer Pro, the Lamer. It boots Gen 2, oh my God, and then hooks Emacs in right into a, I guess, rat poison window manager session. Incredible. I don't really code with Emacs, but I almost exclusively use org mode for my writing and D&D campaigns. Work on my own website powered by Hugo. Hey, Onip. And I write notes. This is like nerd bingo. Yeah, it is really. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And he writes notes and documentation, as well as writes Ansible deployment uh, scripts. Of course you do. Bingo. Of course you do. AKA automating Gen 2 installations, naturally. Because why not? I mean, you got it, right? He says, for the record, Nev says he doesn't work in tech. Works in logistics. I had no idea after that. I would After that description, I would have absolutely assumed the, uh, the opposite. So thanks for the clarification. And our last boost. No, almost last boost. from. Um, Ahanaga? Coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> Just said thanks for the awesome coin summary with 6,000 sats. You're welcome. I hate to see the dog coin getting pumped by Elon, but it is what it is. And then we got ourselves a quick little boost from Mr. Quackers, who just wanted to con quackalations you, Mike. I think that's a congrats. I'll take it. Quacka waka, it's a treasure. Yippee! <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got some people out there that wanted to send you some uh, good wishes in their own way. Oh, and, and actually, the new wife has a message. Oh, yeah? Uh, I sort of, I wouldn't say forced, but I got her an iPhone when we first got together. Oh, was she on Android previously? Oh, she's real mad about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Been a rough transition? She wants to know what the best Android phone is, and it looks like, uh... Yeah, well, <laughs> it looks like... <laughs> yeah, look. Oh, really? Going back? A failed transition? A failed transition, yep. Are you looking at the Pi Zell 7, perhaps? Uh, she likes the Samsung. She Now, the problem is she had one of those crazy, uh, uh Galaxy 2s, so it's been a while. Oh, man. What's the what's the primary complaint with the iPhone? Quote, I hate everything about it. Uh-huh. She likes iMessage, which I thought was super interesting. She really likes iMessage. She doesn't like Safari. She doesn't like that it doesn't tie into her Google stuff as well as uh as the Android did. She's gotta go all in on the iCloud for that to really work. Yeah, but she she basically lives in Google Google Docs and, and Gmail, right? Yeah, that's becoming really common. Yeah, like her whole for her for her work, it's it's just like passing paper around. So and, you know, I try to get her airmail, the uh, third-party iOS app I use, but I myself have trouble with it. It's handling Google Docs on iOS is kind of, it's just rough. Yeah, that whole Google ecosystem is just slightly better. It is better. I think it is somewhat better. So I'm thinking of... Uh, oh, I tried to talk her into the Pixel, though, I tell you what, because the Samsung has their crap on it. Why the Pixel? Because you know, it's, it's the same old, same old story. Also, the Pixel 7... Very well reviewed. You should show her like the MKBHD review or something. People are liking it. Well, she she's asking about folding ones. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Aren't they super fragile though? Oh, this is something for the audience. Get back to us. If you have a folding Samsung, get back. Because you know what? I might try one myself. I would be curious as well. I'd really love to know people's experience and yours or hers if she gets one. Well, you know how I responded to this complaint, right? I bought her the AirPods Max. 
<laughs> there you go. They will work with an Android. It just takes a little bit more work. I didn't tell you know? her that. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to send a boost into the show, go to newpodcastapps.com and upgrade to a podcasting 2.0 app and send a boost into the show. Also, thank you to our members for investing in the ongoing production. We have an email in the inbox this week from a company that wants us to secretly work with them to basically do a link share where they'll send us a bunch of fake downloads if we pay them. So usually we get pitched and they want to pay us, but this week we got pitched on paying them to to jack up our downloads, I guess, so then we could turn around and lie to sponsors, <laughs> I guess. I mean, the whole thing is so funny. Isn't there a word for that? Fraud? Fraud? Something? Fraud. Fraud. Fraudlient or something. Yeah. Well, and it, like ultimately it would it would fail because people have to use the promo codes and go to your URLs and actually sign up. Yeah, our sponsors, it's not clicks, right? You got to buy some. Yeah, <laughs> you actually got to use it. You got to sign up and, and try it out. for. Them. And so if you just send them a bunch of traffic, okay, that's that might count for something, but it's not what's going to matter at the end of the day. So it only works for so long. But I guess if you're doing that kind of stuff, you know, you're just running and gunning for money. Maybe you don't care. That's why I really appreciate our members. You can sign up at coderqa.co to support the show and get an ad-free version or jupiter.party for the whole network of shows. Get all the special features like the post shows, the pre-shows, the live streams, and more that's coming at jupiter.party. Anywhere you want to send the good people this week, Mr. Dominic. Uh, go to dominicm.com and follow me on the Musk platform at Dominicos, D-O-M-I-C-C-O. No, there's another letter in there. Oh, Whatever, man. you'll figure it out. You did it. You just called it. We're all going to do it. It's just going to be a phase of life. It is the winter of Elon, I guess. Now, links to what we talked about today, coder.show slash 490. What are your trends you see coming up good and bad for the next couple of years? Go to coder.show slash contact and let us know or send a boost into the show. Over on our website, you'll find our RSS feed as well, so you can subscribe and get the show when you want it. Or you can join us live at jupiter.tube, typically 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, unless I get stuck out in the woods. Well, then you just have to tune into our Matrix chat room, coder.show slash matrix. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coda Radio Program. Have a spooky Halloween, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>